Hey witch, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm another host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending like it all makes sense. No, because we are your friends and your allies, and if we pretended like it all made sense, we wouldn't be those things. Well, we'd be lying to ourselves and to the rest of y'all. That's true, and we gave up lying to ourselves a long time ago. Yeah, like when I came out of the closet. Yeah, I guess I did that too. But I feel like I'm constantly giving up on lying to myself Yeah, no, that's actually very true. (laughs) Well, telling the truth on yourself is a process. And it never ends. That is true. And we'll actually be talking a little bit about the process of telling the truth on yourself in our deep dive today, because we're going to do a deep dive into the suit of cups. Oh, yeah. So that's a lot about telling the truth on your heart. Yeah. We're also going to do a bit of a cosmic update, which is also going to reveal some talking some truths, because we're going to really just get into the upcoming Scorpio Mercury retrograde. Girl, hold on to your witch hat because it's about to fly off your head. (laughs) Somebody snatched that witch hat. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Did you relate more to the Wicked Witch or Glinda the Good Witch? I related to both of them because I related to the glamour of Glinda, but I also related to, like, the broken power of the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So... Both. And sometimes I feel like the Witch of the East. I feel like I've been crushed by a house. (laughs) Let's introduce ourselves. Who are you? I'm Angel. You are? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I am. Yeah, I'm Angel. Okay, great. I am your husband. Yes, that is true. Uh, But I'm also a writer and a producer, and I am an astrologer. And a damn good one. And people, he gives readings. So book a reading with Angel, because his astrology readings are fucking fire. Thanks, baby. If they want to book a reading, how do they do that for you? Uh, As of right now, you can email me. Email him. AriesSoul30 at gmail.com. Because he's an Aries soul, y'all. Yeah, and it's two S's. So AriesSoul30. Great. And who are you? I am Brandon Alter. I am a healer, and I am also a writer, and a tarot reader, and a tarot teacher, and a performer, and a witch, and a queerdo, and Noche's doggy dad. Um, You are all of those things, and more. I know, it's true. I contain multitudes. I am the universe with makeup on its face, as Brandonna would say. I just did a post uh, yesterday. Uh, that was like a long list of I am's in honor of the Aries full moon, which, right. you know, Aries is very much I am. I think it's good for everyone to just kind of distill themselves, distill themselves down to I am and what are those truths for yourself? Yeah. So what were some of your favorite I am's? Well, I am a healer. Yes, you are, girl. I am creative. Yes, you are, girl. I am a bitch. Oh, <laughs> I am shady. Yeah. But, I'm but what did you say the other day? He said, huh. I'm not shady. The universe is shady. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You can both be shady. That's true. Both the universe and I were tricky queens. Girl. You never know. Uh, but anyhow, why don't we do a little bit of a, of a little check-in? Okay, let's check in. How are you doing? You had quite a whirlwind weekend. I had quite a whirlwind weekend. I'm also, full disclosure, a little caffeinated today. 
I'm oh, sipping an almond latte, which if means you uh, hadn't noticed, I'm a little, I'm a little jazzed up. Uh, this weekend, yeah, was Brandonna's show. It was amazing. Um, two sold out shows Friday night and Saturday night. If you were there, Brandonna felt you. If you weren't there. Brandonna didn't notice because she was really just paying attention to herself. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing uh, process, and I'm so grateful that I got to do it. And I am tired, but I feel more like a great, beautiful wind kind of blew through me, and there's a lot of space now. Um, that rehearsal process took up pretty much the bulk of my life, and so now it's nice to have a little bit of space and to figure out how I'm going to fill it or maybe not fill it. Just kind of be in this empty space for a little bit. Yeah. But it taught me so much. And the first show was a totally out of body experience. Like maybe halfway through the show, I was like, oh, you're halfway through the show. It's happening. And the second night was a completely like in body experience. It was really amazing to have those two different uh, vantages of performance and what is there to say about being able to bring a vision into reality? I mean, it's such a humbling and mysterious journey to have something live in your head for so long and then all of a sudden it happens and then it's also over, which is why I really love theater is because it is written on water. Like it, it's over as soon as it happens, mm -hmm. um, even though I filmed it. And then you're just kind of in the aftermath of it. And I was taking a bath last night and just kind of checking in to how I was feeling about the whole thing. And to be really honest and vulnerable here, the thing that came up was like, why are you not able to be proud of yourself? Like, why is there such a block to that? As soon as it was over, I was immediately thinking like, what's the next thing? Like, we have to move. And what am I going to do with the show next? And it was like, no, like, stop. Like, just receive what you did. And why is it so hard to receive that? So so why is that? For I you? don't know. I don't have any answers. I just have questions. So mm. I'm just living with that question and trying to be proud of myself. Um but also, I think success is an illusion. And the idea that you want to do something for the achievement of it is actually never satisfying. The satisfaction really does come from the doing of it. And I know this is cliche when everyone always says, like, it's not the destination, it's the journey. But the truth is, the most fulfilling moments of this whole process were a couple of choice rehearsals when I felt like I really discovered something new and the literal exchange with the audience when the show was happening. But once the show was done and people were so moved by it and so touched by it and had beautiful things to say, I couldn't entirely open up my heart to receive it. Like I was almost scared to acknowledge what I had achieved. Yeah, like did you have trouble even believing it? No. I mean, I'll be totally honest, like the scariest thing is almost that what I had mirrored back to me was people saying this is as good as I kind of thought it was in my own secret heart. Mm -hmm. But that's almost scarier because it's a lot of responsibility. Like for people to say like, this was something really special. This was something really profound. Makes me feel like, oh, fuck, like I do have a gift and I do have to take responsibility for it. And that requires a lot of work to honor your gifts and whoever you are listening, like you also have a really special gift, 
but it requires a lot of work. Like any gift, like you got to pick it out and you got to wrap it and you got to figure out the right time to give it. And that is not easy. So I'm just grappling with all of that. But I am so grateful to the spirit of Brandonna. And I will say too, I was sharing in my weekly Monday morning marijuana anonymous meeting without... (laughs) Not so anonymous. Not so... Well, I mean, (laughs) I don't do anonymity very well. (laughs) Um, But I'll keep everybody else's anonymity. Uh, But just that I feel like weed was the thing that kind of was preventing me from weaving all of the disparate aspects of my life together. And with weed gone, it's like everything that seems not connected, whether it's shamanic practice or being a drag queen or being a songwriter or being a healer or being an actor. It's like they can all weave together and create this beautiful quilt that is my life. And they don't actually feel separate anymore. And this show was actually a really great container for every individual piece of me to meld together and become this one thing. I mean, that's a really great thing to recognize for yourself. Yeah. Well, weed compartmentalizes. Like, that's one of the gifts of it, and it's also one of the curses of it. So that's my check-in. Well, I'm really proud of you. You did such amazing work this weekend. I got to see both shows, and it was really fun and moving and just great to see you doing what you're here to do. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Especially the music part. There were so many people who came up to me and said, I had no idea Brandon could sing like that. And uh, I think that is something that, you know, is a gift of yours, but it's a complicated gift because it has a lot of stuff steeped in it from your youth. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it was really cool that you stepped up and shared it with people. And your voice has definitely gotten stronger. Well, I am obsessed with my voice teacher, Susan Hansen, shout out. Uh, But she also is so spiritual and she talks about singing as like allowing the voice. Mm -hmm. Like it's a spiritual process. And it's amazing how that has only helped allow the spirit of my voice to grow and do what it wants to do. As opposed to like trying to control it and manipulate it and hold it. So, yeah. Everything is everything, y'all. It's all connected. Like, once you learn how to do one thing, you know how to do everything because it's all the fucking same. You allow and you husband and you trust and you surrender and you practice and then magic happens. Mm, I love the magic part. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you do. (laughs) You filthy little witch. Excuse me? All right, check in, girl. What's up with you, Okur? Just, you know, being a witch, rolling around in my own filth. Just the use looks gorgeous. Thanks. Um, how am I doing? I'm just in the thick of things, you know, continuing to transition some stuff with my work life. Been writing so much, super excited about the writing work that I've been doing as of late, and just kind of want to be doing it all the time, which is challenging because I can't. But I am just grateful that that spirit within me has you know woken back up and really just trying to honor it and honestly I think a lot of what I've been thinking about lately is how do I honor myself 
and everything. I think obviously watching you and your work has been very inspiring and I felt like you were honoring all sides of yourself in your work. And I think I've just been really wanting to do that. And I got to see my family over the weekend, which also just reminds me of the really rich lineage that I come from. And I've been doing a lot of just personal, in my meditation, ancestral connection work with my grandfather, uh, who, you know, I didn't grow up knowing that well. He was in Puerto Rico, but it's been coming back to me a lot lately how we would speak once a week on the phone. And he was always so nervous, I remember, about his English. But he would just say to me over and over, you are so beautiful. You know that, mijo, you are so beautiful. And yeah, it really just came back to me this week. And just like, as a kid, I that was like the last thing I felt. You know, I grew up really overweight and didn't, you know, was struggling always to try and just like have friends. And to have this man who didn't know me, but just was sending me these messages, uh, you know, which I couldn't receive at the time. Uh, it was just so loving. And so I've been in my meditations now sort of hearing his voice tell me those things, tell me that, and trying to work it into myself. So that's been like a really empowering thing that's come up for me this week. And... What was his name? Uh, Pedro. Peter. Grandpa Peter, as we called him, but Grandpa Pedro. So, yeah. So I've just really been trying to also, I think, just connect to, through my writing, honoring myself, but also, you know, he was a healer as well. He was a healer in his village in Puerto Rico, which we found out after his passing that he would, everyone would come to see him for tarot readings and for counseling uh, which is so funny that, you know, that I became a tarot reader, you know, at 20 years old and didn't really even understand that connection. Um, so also just trying to, you know, connect to that ancestral lineage of myself too, that sort of Puerto Rican <laughs> witch energy. <laughs> that bruja. Yeah, that lives in me. Uh, and how do I utilize that? as I move forward in everything that I do, just magic, like you said, just full on trying to connect more deeply to my relationship with magic. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. You're so welcome. <laughs> All right, there's a lot going on in the heavens and I feel like the children need to know. Hex, so yeah. Angel has prepared this episode's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. update. So, of course, the big news I think that's coming up is Mercury's next retrograde, uh, which technically will start on Halloween 
and it's going to last for three weeks. I know she's a spooky retrograde. I love it. Uh, but it's going to go for three weeks through November 21st. Uh, but it actually entered into its shadow phase this past Saturday, the 12th at 11 degrees of Scorpio. And as uh, we've talked about before, if you don't know shadow phase, it's basically where you begin the story of the retrograde. You know, what's coming up for review this time around. Uh, and so it, it, it's, it's technically when it first gets to that degree uh, that it's going to cover the ground of. And it's basically covering 11 degrees to 27 degrees right. of Scorpio. Like I always say, like it's where you drop something that then you yeah. have to go back and pick up. Exactly. So we just dropped it on Saturday. I don't know. We don't know what it is. We'll find out later. But we dropped something yeah. important. Have you seen my keys? Girl, I uh, haven't. <laughs> so, you know, there's still going to be some forward progression. But any issues or themes that started to come up for you around this past weekend uh, until the retrograde ends on the 21st, it's all going to get covered. And, you know, that story doesn't completely end until Mercury clears its shadow which is going to be after the first week of de- December and when it eventually moves into Sagittarius on the 10th of that month. Damn. So really ask yourself, where is Scorpio in my chart? What area? Because that's the major ground that's getting covered. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a Scorpio full Mercury retrograde season. Uh, you it's know, a super powered Scorpio season. Exactly. So, you know, as we know, Scorpio likes to take us under the surface of things, you know, let's get to what's really going on. The it's, depths. Yes. It's repped by Mars, the God of action, getting shit done, as well as Pluto, which is the God of the underworld or, you know, of our deeper psychology that's rooted into our soul's needs And it typically has some relation to our relationships because anything that's moving through Scorpio, it's already evolved through our seventh house, which is the house of partnerships. Uh, But now as we move into the eighth, we're basically taking those relationships to the next level. You know, we're merging with them on a deeper level. You know, they don't call it the house of like sex and death and taxes for any other reason. So in Venus, the seventh house planet, that's already moving through Scorpio. That So it's in that eighth house energy. Uh, so in general, people are just starting to get kind of worked up, you know, but it's basically because we're all on some level, like in some area of our life, we're all dealing with this like deeper inner confrontation, you know, and some of us just don't tech- really have like the language to deal with that, you know, the the language of self-awareness to help navigate it. You know, some of us are just kind of lost at sea and acting out perhaps aggressively that Mars energy. So you have to kind of tread a little lightly with everyone through this process, you know, recognize that every relationship that is showing up for us right now, it's there to force us to look deeper at ourselves, you know, intimacy and passion, those are key words for this Mercury retrograde. So it's time to get really intimate with what is going on inside of your head. Reassess the way you talk to yourself. You know, the way you communicate your deepest feelings to others, the way you uh, allow yourself to verbally express your most intimate needs. So yeah, so this can all feel like a bit of a confrontation, you know, like, which for some of us is a dirty word, you know, but we can practice it on our own minds. We can confront the thoughts that don't feed us positively, you know, now that doesn't just mean like ignore all of the negative thoughts, you know, it actually kind of means facing those head on and seeing why they're there. 
you know, go deeper. Ask yourself, who taught me these negative thoughts? You know, this is a time to go deeply into how you even got to the mentality you live with now. And it's funny because I just finished reading the book It, which I don't know if I can entirely recommend. It was a fucking slog. But it was also really fascinating and had some amazing horror elements in it, which I enjoyed. But in thinking back on it, it was such a representation of Mercury through Scorpio. Like you, How so? Well, because like that it monster basically is like representing like all of the fears that live inside your head. Oh, so it changes how it like presents based on yeah, who it's presenting to? Exactly. Oh, wow. So it's like all these like childhood fears just coming to light. So it's a little bit of like Scorpio energy, but very Mercury and Scorpio. And such a retrograde element, like because it's about these adults who then have to go back and revisit the monster that they thought they slayed in their childhood, but they exactly. didn't. Exactly. Oh, wow. So it's so much about like having to revisit demons from the past. And just confronting them for what they truly are, which are just elements of your imagination that you've just given your power over to. But I also just want to say real fast, sometimes mm -hmm. I think people go like, oh, fuck, but I thought I already like slayed that demon. And I usually say to them, okay, yeah, but you know, like at the end of a scary movie, like when you think like the killer's dead and then he comes back just for like one last scare, like sometimes that's all it is. Like there's just one last little scare and he's basically dead, but like you just gotta like, you just gotta like stab him one more time. So don't like get up in your head like, oh my God, I thought I did this and I gotta go through it. It's like, you don't have to go through it all the way again. Like you've done a lot of good work. And if you haven't done a lot of good work, well then girl, here's the monster, you gotta face it. But if you have, then I just wanna say like, it's almost done. One last 100%. scare, and then you're on the other side, and you don't have to go back anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. You, you can't like beat yourself up for being where you are in the process. Um, tweet, tweet. Know, yeah, because tweet, tweet. I mean, we all experience trauma, and the trauma was real. Like, you did experience that trauma. It's yours. And at, at the time, it did affect you on an emotional level, on a physical level, perhaps. You know, and for some of us, like, we may be living through some kind of trauma right now. Uh, but, you know, the question is, how can you approach it all in a new way? And it's interesting. I've had a couple dreams recently where as an adult, and they're so it-inspired, as an adult, I have had to confront a version of my father, but, like, when I was a child. And I had one last night, actually that was really intense and really vivid. And both times I've had these dreams now in the last maybe week and a half, I've woken up like heated, like physically. And the first time I couldn't even go back to sleep for like hours. Last night I was able to go back to sleep using the grandpa mantra. It helped me. But yeah, I had these, like last night I had this dream where I, you know, my father was, was verbally, physically, you know, emotionally abusive as a child. He was an alcoholic you know, he's taking care of himself and we're in a, such a better place and we've all, you know, loved and forgiven. But, you know, it's been interesting for me in the last week and a half to have these dreams come back up and these visions and, you know, to be confronted by him basically trying to like physically assault me in my dream. And in the dream, I started to like run away. and I, But I was an adult, the adult me. But I started to retreat and try to hide. And I immediately stopped myself and said, you know what? I'm going to confront him. 
because that's what I need to do right now. Yes, queen. And I'm not going to be afraid. And when I went back into the room where he was, he almost looked like a monster, like a monster version of himself. And it was interesting because that was sort of when the dream, like I got scared and I, but I stood there and then I woke up like with my whole body just like radiating with heat. And I lied there thinking about it. You know, what is, why am I having these dreams with him in this space? But I realized that it's, it's so Mercury Scorpio retrograde, you know, it's like that preparation of I, as a child was told to shut up or told to, you know, if I spoke up for myself, if I tried to speak up in my truth, I was told to be quiet or to go away, or I was like, you know, kind of beaten down into submission around those feelings. And how much of that has now exhibited in my adult life where I'm afraid to speak up or to share an idea or to share my truth, you know, to use my voice because I'm afraid someone's going to just tell me to be quiet or someone's going to even like hurt me. So it felt good to at least just like have that moment of seeing that I can move forward, that I can approach it from like a more adult like perspective and granted like. I would never tell anyone to go confront like a physical, you know, like aggressive, violent person in their real life. And, you know, I mean, that's, I would say get help. But in that dreamlike scenario, it was a really powerful metaphor. Well, and if you don't confront your inner monsters, who will? Exactly. So I'm really proud of Dream Angel. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think me too. Because it was recognizing on that moment even. On some level, there was almost like a... Well, there's a shift. There's clearly a huge shift happening. Yeah. And it felt almost like lucid dreaming that I was able to on my like think in the moment of, no, you know what? I'm going to confront this monster. It's not real. I even, like, I remember coming from that place of like, no, because this doesn't exist anymore. So... It was really like a cool, beautiful moment. And it's ultimately me, you know? It's my own inner rage, you know, expressing through him in my dream. Yeah, totally. To show me that. And I'm like, no, I don't need you anymore. Well, Scorpio season can also be a dream season too, can't it? Well, yes. And I think this retrograde actually has a lot of that element because it did start with a trine. So a trine is when three planets are just planetary beings um, all create like a positive connection to each other. So this full moon that we just had, the Aries full moon, um, was a big trigger in like releasing, you know, who we are now, that positive energy around who I am, like I mentioned earlier. But there was also the Mercury shift, the entering its shadow phase. It created a trine with Neptune Mm, which is in Pisces in the 12th house, the dreamiest of dreams. Exactly. As well as the nodes of fate in Cancer. So you had oh, Mercury. Grand trine in water? Yeah. So you had Mercury sitting up there in Scorpio, Neptune in Pisces. Nodes, nodes in, in, in Cancer? Yeah, the North Node in Cancer. What we're heading towards. Exactly. So very much a connection to our spirit self, our yeah. spirit realm. So I would say that a really great way to start moving forward in this Mercury phase and this retrograde phase 
is to try and get still, try to get quiet, try to hear the messages of your intuition that want to come through for you. That's your golden ticket to all of this. Mm. Keep a dream journal, y'all. Keep a dream journal. And even if you're like, I don't remember my dreams. I, I never remember them. Just put a notebook by your bed or use the notes app on your phone. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And just start to write down even the little bit and piece that you remember. And your intention to remember your dreams will actually help you remember more and more of your dreams. I agree. Yeah. I've been using that intention even going into yeah. them. And your dreams, all of this Neptunian energy, you know, it's a connection that, 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 you know, these messages are from the depths of your soul, you know, around the direction that it wants your soul to be going. You know, those are being, those messages are being fed to your mind right now. So yeah, you know, strive for clarity, connect with spirit, try to use your intuition uh, because at the end of the day, you know what's best for you. And if you can't find it, you can also go talk to someone who can help you, you know, get a reading, see a therapist, you know, but it's a good time to be trying to, again, intimacy, passion, approach all this through passion. And just also a quick little add on, you know, this upcoming week between the 14th and the 20th. So depending on when you're listening to this, if it's after the 20th, well, go back and see how this affected. But, you know, Mercury is giving a little bit of a wave to the Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn energy. Uh, you know, those two are sitting about six degrees from each other in Capricorn right now. So pay particular attention to what's coming up for you in that time. You know, Saturn and Pluto, they're all concerned with the bigger picture of our lives right now, the larger structures that are trying to be teared down in our lives, the new foundation that's being laid in its place. So this week is going to really give some forward progress in that process. Could we even think of it as like a little window into the future in January when they get together? Yeah, I think it is a little bit of a like, hey, just giving you an idea. A heads up. Yeah, like this is some of the stuff that we're going to be dealing with on a bigger level. So, you know, take the steps that want to show up for you this week, you know, do the work um, and, you know, full steam ahead. So, yeah, it's a busy time. But, you know, y'all got this. Thank you. We got you. Yeah, what a beautiful cosmic update. Thank you, baby. And so aligned with what we're going to move into. I know. It's all As you were talking about that grand trine in water and the intuition and the mystical realms, it's exactly what we're going to move into as we talk about the suit of cups in the tarot. So let's do it. Put on your scuba suits. Put on your mermaid tails. Put on your gorgeous bikini because it's time for this episode's Deep Dive. So we are continuing our progression through the suits of the tarot. We've already covered pentacles and swords, and now we're moving into most people's favorite suit, I think, the suit of cups. I'm a Cancer Moon, so it is my favorite. And cups rule the things in our life that flow. So that is our emotions, our intuition, our creativity, our relationships. Cups can speak to family, whether that be biological family or chosen family. Cups is really the water of our lives. And it is the emotional realm. It is the realm of the heart. And the message that was really coming through very strongly as I prepared to speak to this suit is that life is love. Mm. And that's what Cups really is speaking to, is where in your life is the love. Now, it can also speak to sensitivity. Sometimes 
your oversensitivity? Where are things in your life stagnating? If you think about water that doesn't get to run, it becomes kind of festering and putrid and kind of gross. Yuck. And cups can also speak to shadow work, right? Like it speaks to healing. And where in your life is there healing necessary? What is the underbelly of your emotions? Where is your heart blocked? Think about ice, which is water that has frozen. An ice queen is somebody who doesn't have access to the flowing waters of their heart. So cups kind of brings us into this realm. Mm-hmm. And so we will take the journey from the ace to the king, and we'll just kind of see what is the story of cups. In other decks, cups is called chalices, uh, rivers. Uh, there's even a deck that just calls it hearts. So that's really what we're speaking to here. We're speaking to the realm of the heart, but also the realm of the spirit, because your spirit is something that flows as well. Yeah, I mean, it's all spirit at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, I always say before I do any sort of like shamanic healing, I go, we have to consider that the spiritual realm is the soil out of which everything else grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think spiritual progress always comes before any sort of like material gain or satisfaction. Like if you're right with spirit, then everything else will flow. And so here we go, flowing through the cups. So the Ace of Cups, remember Aces are beginnings. And the Ace of Cups is the beginning of your heart. It's falling in love. Or sometimes it's a new door into your heart, right? Like you can fall in love with a creative project. You can fall in love with a character. You can fall in love with another person or with a place or with art or an animal. But the Ace of Cups is like, okay, we are entering into a new realm of our heart, it's actually, I mean, this is such a silly thing that I'm going to say, but those few times I ate mushrooms, I always felt like there was like a room in the back of my head that like opened up that was like always there. But like only when I ate mushrooms could I like enter into that room. Mm -hmm. And there's something about the Ace of Cups where it's like, oh, there's a chamber of your heart that is revealing itself to you that has always been there, but you were not aware of it. Oh, okay. And so we know that in romantic relationships, right? Like you go like, I didn't know I could feel this way. Even like when I go out to the desert, I'm always like, I didn't know I could feel this way. Like I have such a love affair with the desert or even like, you know, with you, Angel, like I didn't know my capacity to love until I got into a relationship with you. And yeah. also, oh, that's sweet, honey. It's you, true. You never knew love like this. Before. I, I mean, it's true, though. I really didn't. Because you never knew love like this before. Oh, I do know that song. Oh, I was duh. like, I don't know this song, but I do know that song. Oh. So that's the Ace of Cups, and it's beautiful. Yeah, when I used to do tarot readings more professionally, I always get excited when people would ask about relationships and that card would pull up. Yeah, totally, because people are always fucking asking about relationships. Of course. And there's only like three or four cards, I think, in the tarot that really speak to that. And if they don't show up, then I say like, well, that's not really where you're supposed to be paying attention right yeah. now. But yeah, the Ace of Cups. Yeah, it'd be like somebody winning on The Price is Right. I'm totally like, you pulled it you did it it's <laughs> happening girl uh yeah the ace of cups the lover's card of course um and then and the two speaking of, cups. of yeah yeah so you have one cup it's your heart and then we move to the two of cups which is your heart and another heart so this really is the card of relationship if the two of cups shows up i can pretty confidently say like it's either a renewal of your current relationship or there is love coming in Mm -hmm. but also it is your ability to pour into your own cup. 
It is your ability to fall in love with yourself. So sometimes the two of cups is like you're going to have a lunch date with one of your best friends and you're just in love with each other and you just pour into each other. But sometimes it's also about being able to pour from your divine masculine into your sacred feminine, being able to pour from one end of your spectrum into the other. So the two of cups is falling in love with somebody else, but it's also falling in love with yourself because I always like to remind people that your relationship is just a mirror. So you partner with people that reflect how you partner with yourself. And if that is a scary thought, then thank goddess, you've got this Mercury retrograde in Scorpio to get right with yourself, okay? <laughs> yeah, in my deck, it's a Venus and Cancer related card. Oh, beautiful. So yeah, very much about nurturing, taking care of. Connecting through the heart. Yeah. Yeah. So we love the Two of Cups. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, the Kylie Minogue Two Hearts card. Oh, totally. Or I have a deck that it's like, it's two people like in like a natural spring and they're holding like glasses of champagne. What else says love more than that? I mean, can we do that next week? Oh, we'll do it for our anniversary. Oh, can we go drink champagne in a natural spring? We'll drink a hot, yeah, we'll drink (laughs) cold champagne in a hot spring. Sounds fab. And then we move to the three of cups, which is, oh, one of my favorites. So the three of cups is now moving from sacred partnership, either with yourself or with somebody else, to a small group, right? Like, what is it? Uh, two's company, three's a crowd. Mm-hmm. Is that the saying? No, three's company, four's a crowd. I believe it's three's company, four's a crowd, five's an orgy. That is not what they say. Oh, and you're. A, That's what I say, girl. I can feel that Scorpio energy radiating off of you. <laughs> So the Three of Cups is really about getting together with your sisters. It's the sisterhood card. So it's really the partnership with the people that see you and reflect back to you the truth of who you are in your heart. Those people that you don't have to translate, you don't have to modify or modulate. I always think about like when I get together with my like oldest, best gay high school friends. Like we just get together and we giggle and we laugh and there's this almost like psychic communication that happens. And the three of cups is the joy of being able to just experience that love that radiates between you and your sisters. And again, it could be your biological sisters, but it can also be, and I'm not talking like girls versus boys. I just mean like your sisters. A sisterhood means something different than a brotherhood. And the three of cups is really about sisterhood. Those people who you are cut from the same cloth. They're part of your deep soul family. And when you pull the three of cups, it's about connecting with those people. Now I know where Angel's going to go with this because he also calls it the new friends card. Oh, I do. Sometimes the three of cups signifies that like you've done some changing because in the two of cups, you fell in love with a different part of yourself. And now you're calling in people that can reflect that new part of yourself back to you. So the three of cups is really about like, who are you now? And are the people in your life really reflecting that to you in a way that continues to keep your cups filled up? Because that's the thing about a cup is like, is it full or is it empty? You know, and you want a cup that is overflowing, overfloweth your cup. Yeah. In my deck, it's mercury and cancer. So yeah, it is that like communication with new people. And it's also the abundance. It's emotional abundance. It's a key girl. So continuing on, and this actually really makes sense that if three is... Uh, company and four is a crowd, then the four of cups is actually where we have to like remove ourselves from the crowd to get back in touch with what happened in the ace. Mm -hmm. Because the four of cups to me is kind of the card of like sobering up. And I'm not speaking in regards to substances, but I'm also not speaking. I'm also not not speaking in regards to substances, but it's just about like sobering up from whatever it is that you've become desensitized to. 
See, remember that in the tarot, fours are foundations. So the four of cups is an emotional foundation, the foundation of your heart. And if you've become desensitized to your heart or desensitized to the things in your life that you're constantly putting your heart in the presence of, you need to take some time to pull yourself out of the river and get back in touch with your sensitivity. So the traditional depiction of this is three cups sitting in front of a person that's sitting like against a tree, not in the river, but on the banks of the river. And then a fourth cup is being presented by like a mystical hand reaching out of a cloud. And so this again speaks to the idea that when we step out of whatever the wheel of suffering is, out of the drama, out of the addiction, then we are presented with something that we maybe couldn't have gotten to on our own. So Four of Cups is really beautiful. I like the Four of Cups card because it's saying like, girl, you are not feeling clearly because it's like caffeine. Like if you drink coffee every day, you need more and more caffeine in order to feel it. So then you have to like stop drinking the caffeine so you can become more sensitized to it. It's like drama. If you live in a heightened dramatic state all the time, if you live with a bunch of stress, you need to step out of that so that you can start to become more sensitive to it. That's interesting because in my deck, it's actually the Cancer Moon card. Mm. And it's actually emotional luxury is what it's referred to as. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so while you were talking, I was thinking about that. And I think there is something about settling in and kind of luxuriating in everything you've been feeling, you know, in a way along the lines of what you were saying, like take a pause and just sit with yeah like no more all the feelings no more input but just like marinate in it Mm -hmm. but there's also because we also know like moon and cancer can be overly emotional how dare you and so one of my friends uh sharon just say it's me no No, sorry one of my friends sharon (laughs) Uh is uh, a beautiful tarot reader she talked about how like the four of cups is when you have that like fourth cocktail And Mm. that's the one that puts you over the edge. Like three cocktails, you wake up the next morning, you're fine. But the fourth cocktail, it's like, it's just too much, you know? And so the four of cups sometimes is like, oh, fuck. Like it was just too much. Like I overdid it. You know, like I could have said those three things, but it was when I said that fourth thing that I really tipped the scales. Right. So there's that sense of complexity. Mm -hmm. And the cups are very complex cards. Remember that the tarot cards don't mean just one thing. And so you're getting my heartfelt experience of the cards as they've represented themselves in my life, but this is not gospel. So the five of cups is the contraction of the heart. Remember, all of the fives in the tarot are beautiful, necessary contractions that precede the beautiful expansions, the sixes. So the five of cups is the grief card. It's the sorrow card. And even just to look at the image, it's a figure in a black cloak that's gazing down at these three spilt cups in front of them and two full cups behind them. So there's a couple of messages here. I always say when the five of cups shows up in a reading, like you're going through a grief process right now and you need to acknowledge it and you need to allow it because wherever we don't allow our grief to express itself, we literally stop our lives from happening. 
You crystallize your life and you never move forwards from that point. We have to grieve. We have to release. We have to let go. So the Five of Cups is asking you what needs to be grieved in your life. And sometimes, of course, it's a death or a loss, but sometimes it's also just like a dream that didn't happen. Or you grieve the old self. Or you even like grieve. Like I remember when I like had a little ceremonial funeral for cigarettes when I quit smoking cigarettes like six years ago. That was a Five of Cup moment. Like, thank you, cigarettes. Like you were my longest relationship. You meant a lot to me. You were always there for me. And now I got to let you go. Right. So that I don't bury myself prematurely. But also the Five of Cups is asking you to be very considerate in where you're putting your attention. Because this figure is devastated at the three cups that are spilt in front of them, but not paying attention to the two full cups behind them. And so we also need to be aware of what we're paying attention to. You are what you pay attention to. So if you're only ever looking at what you're lacking, then you're just in that state. But if you can pay attention to your blessings, if you can practice a little bit of gratitude, you're going to get more of that too. And I'll just tell this really quick little story, which is that my five of cups experience where I really understood this side of the card, not the grief side, but Uh though really, what are you paying attention to girl was, uh, when I was working with the wild unknown deck, And the five of cups is this like sad looking horse with like its head hung down. Mm. And it was the weekend that we were going to Solvang for your mom's birthday. And we were like staying in a place that like I would never want to stay in. And I would like never really think I would want to go to Solvang in the first place. And I was just actually being like a total fucking spoiled brat about the whole thing. Because it wasn't my birthday. It was your mom's birthday. Right. And we got to the place where we were staying. And above our bed was a picture of a horse that looked just like the horse on the tarot card with its head hanging down. And I was like, this is very like. This is a synchronicity and it's very pointed. And the truth is, is that was like one of the most fun weekends I've ever had. Like we had such a great time, Mm -hmm. but it was up to me to pay attention to like the abundance and the joy that was there as opposed to paying attention like, well, this isn't what I would want to do. This isn't how I would want to spend my time. This isn't blah, 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 blah. So the five of cups isn't always just like sobbing on like the bathroom floor about like a broken heart. Sometimes it's about like what is getting in your way of experiencing the joy that's available to you. Right. So the six of cups is then the expansion of the heart. If the five of cups is like sobbing on your bathroom floor, then the six of cups is when you've cried it all out and you take that first beautiful big breath, that feeling of like being hollowed out in a good way. And it's the healing card. Six of cups is the expansion of the heart and we expand the heart through healing. So sometimes this is not necessarily pleasant because it is asking you to go back and tend to those childhood wounds, to tend to the traumas that haven't been healed or even acknowledged. And this is where cups begins to speak to the healing process, which is like we have to pay attention to what still hurts. And we have to ask, why does it hurt? And where did this hurt originate? And how can we begin to address those hurts that our parents inflicted upon us, that society inflicted upon us, that our past selves, because they weren't as aware or awake and inflicted upon ourselves? And how can we forgive? Because cups is healing. And we forgive not for other people, but for ourselves. Because the resentments that you hold on to are just weighing you down, sweet baby girl. So you got to send them out to sea. That's interesting. In my deck, it's the it is called the pleasure card. Oh, but hearing what you just said, and it, it's also the Scorpio. It's Sun in Scorpio. Mm. So in a way, it's sort of finding pleasure in the pain. Yeah, a little bit. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure the gazers have heard us whether we talked about Chiron or just like healing in general. Like the wound is the gateway, and yeah. 
at the bottom of the wound is the medicine you're looking for. And it's only at the bottom. It's at the end of the hero's journey. It's not at the front door. It's not even halfway through. You got to get all the way to the bottom floor. And that's Scorpio, right? Like we got to get to the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we move to the Seven of Cups, and you know I do these monthly taroscopes for Queer Tea, and every once in a while I write one of those taroscopes and I go like, damn, this is so good. Like this is what is going to go in the tarot book that I write one day, and the Seven of Cups is one of those, and I don't think I'll ever be able to say it better uh, than I wrote it, so I'm just going to read you a little bit of it right now. Scorpio Sage, RuPaul asked, how do you know this isn't a dream that you're having? And if it is a dream, does that make it any less real? That is the essence of the Seven of Cups. It's a card that asks us to inquire deeply of our fantasies and begin to sort out the real from the illusory. Real doesn't mean factual. Real means the truth of our heart. And so Cups the realm of emotions. Sevens, remember in the tarot, they ask us to approach the realm of the suit from a spiritual lens because seven is this perfect, beautiful spiritual number. The seven chakras, the seven days of the week, the seven planets that were first visible with the naked eye. So this is the spiritual heart card. And it really wants us to tell the truth about our heart and the dreams contained within it because your heart is the dreamer. So queen is this real life or is it a fantasy? But even more so, like, is it a dream or is it a fantasy? And to me, the difference between a dream and a fantasy is that, like, dreams are always possible, even if they're wildly unrealistic. The Dreams are possible. But a fantasy is just a story you spin yourself to make you feel better. And so the Seven of Cups is really about being able to tell the difference between the dream and the fantasy. And only your heart really knows, because the heart dreams and the mind fantasizes. So practically, this card sometimes just means like there's too many choices. Like maybe you're future tripping or like you're just like thinking about the future. And I wrote like you might already be accepting an Academy Award for a screenplay you haven't even begun to outline. So it's time to get real and it's time to get honest, but it's also time to choose which dreams to pursue and to make sure that it's a dream your heart wants. That Seven of Cups. Yeah, whenever I would pull this card, I would always refer to it as the girl he's not in love with you card. Oh, Damn, you are a harsh tarot reader. (laughs) Well, sometimes you just want the truth. But I love that because then the Eight of Cups is kind of like walking away. Mm -hmm. So girl, he's not in love with you. Eight of Cups, time to walk away. Yeah, it's the Jennifer Lopez Louboutins card. I'm throwing on my Louboutins. (laughs) I'm throwing on my Louboutins. So the Eight of Cups, remember now, eights are expansions beyond what you can comprehend. It's like from 2D to 3D or 3D to 4D. So the eight of cups is like, okay, you've gathered up these eight cups. They served you well. And now you got to just like throw them all away because you're never going to get to nine and 10 if you keep holding on to all eight. They're weighing you down. So the eight of cups is walking away from the things that you no longer need, that no longer fill up your heart. Even if they did one through seven, you know, like things change. Rivers flow in different directions And sometimes rivers dry up. So the Eight of Cups is like, okay, what are you needing to walk away from? What are you needing to release? Um, This is a not easy card, but tremendously beautiful card. And there's a lot of power that you can derive from saying no, saying no more, walking away. Yeah, I was going to say it's always like a boundaries card. Mm, That's interesting. Saturn and Pisces. Oh, yeah. So that is boundaries for sure. 
And to me, I call it the stop settling card. Mm-hmm. I go, even if it's 80% right, you'll never get 100% if you stay here. You have to walk away and you have to demand complete satisfaction from whatever it is, your work, your relationships, your housing. You need to walk away from settling and thinking that you only deserve so much. And that's where the expansion really happens. It's like, oh, I thought that this was what was going to make me happy, but actually there's something even bigger that I can't conceive of and I will only get to it if I walk away from this thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the Nine of Cups, which is the wish card. Hey. So traditional tarot readers would pull the Nine of Cups and they would go like, okay, make a wish. I go, wish on yourself, honey. Like you are the wish. Like your soul wished to be here on the earth plane. I know sometimes it's so hard and you feel so lonely and you're like, what am I doing here? But a piece of your soul knows what that wish was. And the nine of cups is where you really start to move forwards on making the wish of yourself come true. So it's about self-fulfillment at all costs. It's about laughing at your own jokes, even if nobody else does. It's about being alone, but not feeling lonely. Rachel Pollack, who you know I have to mention every time I do a tarot episode because she's such a fucking genius, she talks about this Kabbalistic concept, which is essentially that the Godhead or the divine put a little piece of divine light into each and every one of us. And it's our job to figure out how to crack ourselves open in order to shine that light. And that's the Nine of Cups. How can you crack yourself open in your own unique way so that your light is visible for everyone? And again, it's not even like your light. It's the divine light that you are a sanctuary for. And you can't be greedy and hold it all to yourself. You got to let it shine. And there's a card of mine uh, in the Prisma Visions tarot where it's somebody sitting on a park bench and they're looking at the sunset, and there are these nine cups dancing before them. And I always say, like, if you were to stumble upon this person, you wouldn't see those nine cups because they're just in their mind's eye. But it's that sense of, like, feeling so connected to yourself. I don't know if you've ever taken, like, a solo trip by yourself and just felt the fullness of your experience and your connection with the universe or with nature or your own heart. That's nine of cups. And it can also be with your art. If you've ever gotten lost in your own writing or your painting and you feel so fulfilled by this creation that's happening, nine of cups. And then the 10 of cups, which is the best dinner party you have ever been to. And the conversation is flowing and the wine is flowing and there's so much food and it's all really luxurious and delicious. And it's really about community. The 10 of cups shows up to remind us to really sink into the riches of what's around us, the hearts and the relationships and the family that we've cobbled together to support our experience here. And again, it can be soul family. It doesn't have to be biological family. It's kind of like the community card. If three of cups is your sisters, 10 of cups is your community. And it's a really beautiful place to be. But you also, like, you have to put yourself out there. Your community isn't going to come knocking on your door. And that's the bridge. The tens are the bridge from the nines, which are a sense of completion, to the pages, which are how we begin to practice this mastery. And so you have to put yourself out there in your community in order to experience the page of cups, which is the vulnerability card. 
Remember, the court cards are mirrors, and they ask us to express an aspect of our personality or our true soul essence that maybe isn't being fully embodied. They are mirrors. And the Page of Cups is the vulnerability. It's the opener of the heart. And the Page of Cups walks into a room and they go, hello, I am the Page of Cups. Here is my heart. And this is actually my card for the center of my whole year. Oh, wow. And when I think about everything that's happened this year, whether it was Noche's cancer journey, which opened my heart, or getting sober, which really opened my heart, or putting on this show, this Brandonna show, which is the most vulnerable thing I've ever revealed, it's all Page of Cups. Page of Cups is also like the creativity of the heart when it's open. It's grounding into that river. It's earth and water. It's playing in the mud and enjoying kind of like getting dirty with your emotions and your vulnerability and sharing it. And then with the Knight of Cups, now that the spirit of your heart is present, you begin to observe. The Knight of Cups is kind of the Zen master of the deck in a lot of ways because it's air and water. So this is about the mind and the heart. And you'll notice that most of the knights are not in the river, but they are on the banks of the river or sometimes they're hovering above the river. It's like observe what is happening in your heart, but don't necessarily feel triggered by it. Or notice that you're feeling triggered by it, but don't react. So, of course, I always think about like family dinners or family vacations where you're like, okay, everybody is really hooking my triggers. Everybody's really pushing my buttons. But before I explode and make a scene, I'm just going to put my hand on my heart and go like, it's okay. Just breathe, like just notice. So there's an evolution here of noticing why the heart behaves the way it does without feeling like you're a prisoner to it. That dual awareness, the head and the heart. And again, knights are movers, shakers. That's what they do. Their function in the tarot is to move the energy of the suit. So this is moving the emotions. It's almost like clearing the heart, clearing the triggers so that you're not a victim of your past or a victim of your wounds. Yeah, in my deck, it's a prince, and he's riding on the back of a large bird, and they're plummeting toward the water. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. So yeah. yeah, using your Zen mind to really penetrate the waters of your heart and understand why. Like, why does somebody saying this to me make all of my, you know, hairs raise up or right. make me want to... Shoop. Shoop? Yeah. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> Is that, a, is that what the kids are saying? No, it's a 90s reference. Oh, it's what the kids were saying. Yes. The Queen of Cups is the most mysterious card in the deck. It is the only card I have ever lost. And I don't even think I lost her. I think she just disappeared. Uh, she's double water. She's the water shrine card. And when I create a tarot deck, the Queen of Cups will be sitting on the bottom of the ocean floor, hanging out with all the mermaids and also all the sunglasses, the designer sunglasses that get lost <laughs> in the ocean. Um, I've lost so many experience. Oh my goddess. I always just imagine this mermaid that just like has a castle built out of like designer sunglasses. (laughs) And I want those lawn vons back girl. But the queen of cups is really about deep transformation of the heart. It's about being able to plunge and it really is so Scorpio going all the way to the bottom. The depths have depths. The queen of cups, because she is all water. There's no words. So it's when you're moving through a transformational process. It's deeply intuitive. It's deeply psychic. She has messages, but she can't necessarily communicate them with words. She can't intellectualize them. But sometimes it's just, oh, I know something. I'm very queen of cups right now. I'm very watery. I'm very emotional and I'm very intuitive. And I also would say that whenever you pull one of these element cards, whether it's the queen of cups or the king of wands or the knight of swords or the Page of Pentacles. These are the four cards that, in my 
study of the tarot connect to the element. So this is the water shrine card, and it's really asking you to exchange with the water to understand what the water does for you in your life. And remember, we are like 70% water. Mm -hmm. So we're actually more water than we are anything else. We're more heart than we are anything else. We're more flow than we are anything else. And the Queen of Cups is really like the mystery and the transformational process that we don't understand until we've gone all the way through it. You have to live through your transformation. You can't think your way through it. You have to feel your way through it. And then we get to the King of Cups, who is the healer of the deck. If cups are about healing, by the time you pull the king, you are ready to offer that healing to others. And what does healing mean? Well, I will steal this directly from Brandonna. Brandonna says, think about what happens to yourself when you cut your skin. You bleed, yes, but then your skin regenerates. Well, the same is true for your heart and for your spirit. And to be a healer means that you believe in the regenerative properties of life and you are willing to encourage those forces in others. So where you have been able to heal yourself, where you have been able to enter into your own darkness and hold your own hand, that's where you are able to hold space for others. And so the King of Cups presents itself to say, like, you are a healer. And in this deck, the King of Cups is actually wearing a necklace uh, that's made of a fish skeleton, which oh. is also speaking to, to me, it speaks to, like, the the power of death as healing. Like, what in your life needs to die? You know? Like, Angel, you were sharing, like, the vision of your father as a monster needs to die. Right. Because it's not true anymore. And so in your own dreams, in your own unconscious, you are slowly killing off that old story. Sometimes we heal through love, and sometimes we heal through death. Sometimes the limb has to be amputated. And the King of Cups knows how to hold space. And it's interesting because the King of Cups to me is also the boundaries card, especially when it comes in reversed. It's saying like you are spending maybe too much time healing others and not enough healing yourself. Or just like it would be healing for you to set clear boundaries. Like that's why when I have healing sessions, there's a set time, you know, like they only last 70 minutes because there's a boundary. Like you can't be in here all day. Right. And that also wouldn't be good for you either because... When somebody comes to me for a healing, yes, I'm doing a lot of work with the spirits, but your willingness to receive the healing is the most important thing. Oh, if yeah. you come in here closed, the spirits and I, probably all we can do is just like open you up. That's the only thing we can do, maybe. But no healing can really happen, even yeah. though to get open is a healing. But if you come in here and you're open and you're ready, there's so much beautiful work that can happen. And so the King of Cups kind of speaks to that. Are you ready to be your own healer? The King of Cups shows up, you are, baby. You mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. So that's the journey of cups. That's one way to get through it. Of course, the cards are so complex. I'm always learning more. And there are deeper and deeper meanings that, of course, I can't get into in our hour-long podcast. Right. But I think this is a really great way just to begin to open your heart to the things in your life that flow. And so now it's time to pull a tarot card for the episode. Yay. So take a moment. Get grounded. You hear me? I'm shuffling these cards, putting all the cups back in the deck. Mm. And just know this message will resonate for you no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this podcast. And if you have a question, if you need clarity, ask the deck right now and it will provide that for you. And since... It's a Cups episode. I'm going to ask my Cancer Moon to pull the card, so I'm going to have Angel select it. Oh, shit. Angel pulled the Scorpio card. 
It's the death card, everybody. You're welcome. And I think it came in upside down. I'm not entirely sure. So I'll speak to both. Death upside down is a soft death, a gentle death. It is death as healing. Think about roses. If you know anything about a rose bush, you have to deadhead the roses at the end of the season because if you don't, the bush will die. If you just let the roses wither, then the whole bush withers. So the death card is really about transformation. What identities are you holding on to that need to be let go? Death is never literal physical death. So just let that fear go. Death is an invitation into a new life for yourself, an invitation into transformation. So think about what do you want to transform into? Who do you want to be in three months' time, in six months' time? And what versions of yourself are incompatible with that transformative future self? Let it go. Have a little funeral for your old self. Have a little funeral for your addiction. Have a little funeral for the dreams that no longer sing your heart's true song. That is the message of death. And connected to Scorpio, Scorpio reminds us that yes, the leaves drop off the trees in the fall, but Scorpio is the polar opposite to Taurus, which reminds us that the trees have new leaves in the spring. So don't hold on to those old, crackly, dead leaves, girl, or else you're not going to get the fresh, green, leafy ones in the spring. Let them go. I got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you all got something out of that as well. Thanks, babe. Thank you. Thank you, gazers. Yeah, thank you all so much for all of your love and support and outreach to us. We love having a community with you all uh, through Facebook, through Instagram, through the Twitter sphere, your emails. Uh, yeah, all so much. And your lovely five-star reviews. Oh, we love a five-star review. We really do. And if you leave us one, we'll acknowledge it and read it on the air. We love to toot our own horn. <laughs> toot toot. So we had a lovely five-star review in from Crayola83070, who lives loves this podcast, really enjoys it, helps me to get out of my head and understand what's going on with me and my life. Keep up the awesome work. We will. Thank you. A five-star review from First Draft in Pen. That's very bold of you. Uh, I found this show through Brandon's tarot work on The Numinous, and I'm just listening to my first episode, and I love it. Their energy is so wonderful, and I'm learning a ton. I came to the Pentacles episode first because they've been showing up for me lately, but I'm excited to catch up. Thank you. Yeah, so now you've got three of the four suits ready for you to learn from. Yeah, and then Mrs. McCabe, who I cannot even, was the... Uh, title. This podcast is absolutely pouring into me. The universe has handed me the spiritual gaze at the exact moment I needed it, learning and expanding so very much. Thank you deeply. And hoping we'll both do a tarot podcast on card reversals. Yeah. We want to definitely do an episode just on like bits and pieces. So yep. like reversals and retrogrades and because I think of reversals as retrogrades in some way. So that's definitely going to be coming. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one more review from BH Hunter. Amazing. Listening to the podcast has helped me so much. I've learned so much from these knowledgeable and insightful men. They also have a great sense of humor. The card they pull at the end is exactly what is going on with me at the time. I have to admit, I have cried with how it hit right to my life. So thank you, BH Hunter. We really appreciate those sweet yeah, words. We adore you. 
So we have a spiritual gaze newsletter. Uh, we want you to sign up for it. On the new moon, you will get tarot scopes that I write up. And on the full moon, Angel will start sending out a little like full moon information blast, maybe with a little ritual or mm -hmm. um, how to work with that energy. You can sign up for the newsletter um, via the link tree in the Spiritual Gaze Instagram. We're working on a website. We're working on the Spiritual Gaze Spirit School, where we're going to start teaching online classes in tarot and astrology. These are all things that we're starting to cook up in the next couple of months. So if you're on the newsletter, you'll be the first to know about that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to work with us, us or learn from us one-on-one. -on -one. Angel and I both give readings. I do healing work. I also do like small group mentorships. If you want to learn the tarot or astrology from me one-on-one, -on -one, reach out. We can figure something out together. Yeah, you can always message us just through one of these many d different portals that yeah, we're on. Yeah, or just thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Yeah, but you can find us at the spiritual gaze on Instagram or just spiritual gaze on Twitter. Or you can find us on Facebook at The Spiritual Gaze. Yeah. And also, like, what episodes, what topics do you want us to cover? Uh, what questions do you have? Let's keep this two-way street going. We are here to serve. We are. And to love. And to live. And to pose! <laughs> All right. A big thank you to Juan Diego for all of his fantastic work on making us sound lovely. A big thank you to Justin Simeon for the interstitial music. And thank you to you. Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. You're welcome. And thanks to the spirits who always hold us so well here as we record these episodes. Yes. And thanks to all of you for listening. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. We, we love you. Wouldn't do this without you. And thanks to the gazers that came to the Brandonna show. I yeah. saw you. I really appreciated your presence. Yeah. Until yeah. next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.